Do you want us to keep producing the best VCU men's basketball podcast out there? If so, there's a way you can help. If you enjoy this show, please consider donating to help us pay for the cost of making it available. You can do so by using the PayPal link in the description of the podcast or on social media sites where we post it. Even a small donation would help. Thanks in advance, and go Rams! Welcome to Rams Rewind, a podcast that looks back at all of the action from VCU men's basketball. After each game, our host George Templeton talks live on Facebook with Ram fans and gives his take on the team's performance. And now, here's George. VCU's offense is starting to get there. The Death Star is almost fully armed and operational, but not quite yet. Welcome to Rams Rewind, live here in the good and the bad and the ugly group. Out in podcast land, if you like what you hear and you want to help us out, shoot us some dinero. There is a link to our PayPal in the description on Podbean and all your other podcast platforms. You've given us such, such great support. And in fact, I forgot somebody just did that for us this week, and I'm going to make sure I shout that person out. Uh, let's see here. Where are you? Where are you? There you are. William Curtin gave us a donation this week. William, thank you very much for doing that. So that's what we do. If you if you give us a donation, we mention you here on the podcast, and we thank you for doing that. So yes, VCU, pretty, pretty good win all the way around. Maybe could have been a little bit, probably should have been a little bit better in the first half. Wasn't it wasn't the best at times in the first half? Ball was sticking too much. Offense could get a little stagnant at times, but my goodness, you saw in the second half. And there's only one place to really start, and it's Toby Lawall. My goodness, Toby Lawall today. 14.7 of 10 shooting, 10 rebounds, throw in a throw in an assist, and I think he had like three or four blocks, because they don't show that on the main thing here. He had three blocks, so that's another double-double for Toby Lawall. Two blocks away from the old triple nickel. Just a fantastic effort, my goodness. Some of those dunks on those alley-oops, some of those alley-oops, a couple of Barristow had a couple of them were brilliant. The one alley-oop where he had to reach back, that was not a good pass. And, and I was saying in the game thread, and I want to say it here, the the thing that makes it so tough is if you don't have somebody that's Toby Lawal size with his length and his jumping ability, it is frustrating and it can be demoralizing because quite literally, you can't do anything except, I mean, yes, you can block out a little better. Yes, you can be a little tighter, but there are just plays that Toby Lawal's going to make that there's nothing you can do about. And that's what can be so demoralizing, and that's what he is so capable of. I mean, goodness gracious, unbelievable some of the things, the plays he's making. And the rebounds that he's getting, where, you know, the guy's not doing a terrible job boxing it out, but because he's because he's totally the wall and he can jump that high and has long arms, he gets a rebound where otherwise he wouldn't have. Otherwise he wouldn't have. And you saw... And again, the blocks too. And the one that was really great, the guy's driving and Lawal's like, come on, just, just, I want you to go right here. 
and he and he's like, you think you got a layup, and you're gonna drive right here, and I'm gonna pin that thing. I'm gonna slap that thing right off the backboard. Lawal baited him beautifully, and bang, he whacks it off the backboard, and VCU's going the other way, and that's what that's what he can do. That's what he can do, and he's getting he's starting to get that. So again, mentally. He's he's getting to a pretty high level already, and now he's starting to get that. And it's just tremendous. Eric Slater. Eric Slater asks, are we a top four team? I don't think there's any question about it in my mind. My question is, can we be dominant enough to maybe overcome some of these early losses and force the committee into a tough decision if we don't win the tournament? Because I think we can do that. Again, that second half was devastating on offense. 61%, almost 62%. And here's the key. 21 of 34 for the field, 3 of 11 from 3. So not great from the outside in the second half, and not great from the outside as a whole, 8 for 24. Not really that great, but that's the thing. They, they, have, they can attack the rim so viciously and they can attack the paint so viciously now that they've got everybody they're freaking 18 to 23 from two in the second half and the only bad thing they did and again it's just the way the game was played they didn't get to the foul line in the second half so their first half foul shooting exploits will just have to stay in and they were quite good and it was almost all Joe Bamisil Joe Bamisil misses his first free throw and then makes the next seven and Nelson's two for two, so there's your nine for ten, which will certainly help the percentage in terms of VCU trying to climb back up towards the top ten in the country in foul shooting. Unfortunately, the volume wasn't there. But honestly, part of that was you have to be in decent position or you have to be somewhere near a guy to foul him. Now, they missed some fouls out there, no question about it, so it's odd to see VCU freaking not getting not getting to the foul line once in the second half. Gardner-Webb got 12 foul shots in the second half. It was 8-12. to Not that it made a difference. They had, to get, they had to get hot at the end just to get to 36% shooting in the second half. And you saw, too, VCU, they struggled at times with the transition defense because while Gardner-Webb is one of the fastest teams they've played, they are a team that likes to play fast and wants to run and will run on anything. Makes, misses, long rebounds, short rebounds, it doesn't matter. VCU got a thorough examination on that score of, of, their, of their defense. And it just, it just, it got better as the game went on. And look, they're going to have to, they, the reason that's so important is that teams are watching the tape and they're going to do the same thing if they can. They are going to try to run at every opportunity. And look, you know, you face some of these teams like George Washington, like Dayton, some of these other ones. Let me tell you, it's going to be tough. It's going to be really tough because they they got they got the guys to really to run those fast breaks. You know, Deron Holmes this year is not just a guy who's going to run the fast break and get the dunk. He he's he's now figured out how to do the outlet passes to the point where he's getting other people layups and dunks when he gets a rebound and they're running on those. So you this team, this was this was such a great game for them to have today. And and kudos to the director of ball, basketball ops 
and and Ryan Odom and the coaching staff for getting a game like that for VCU because that's something that's going to be put on them. They're going to have to show that they can consistently get back on defense and not five guys just back. You want to be five guys and set. I made that point during the game thread. And again, if you're not part of the good, the bad, the ugly group, you should be because our game threads are a lot of fun. You've got to, because because a couple of them, here's what happened, especially in the first half. They'd have five guys back, but they really wouldn't be set defensively. And as a result, Gardner-Webb would get a drive and they'd get fouled or they'd get the basket or they'd get a drive and just kick it to somebody and get an open look. You've got to be five guys back and you've got to be set and you've got to be forcing them into a half-court offense. That's going to be the key when they get the conference play starting Wednesday, forcing these teams to pull it back out and reset their offense because they're going to try it. They're all going to try it. They're all going to try to run on this team because they've seen that. They've seen it be a problem, especially in these games that they've lost close. Um, they're going to have an issue. And, and Chris Conway, yeah, the refs, the refs missed some calls out there. And when you consider that BCU only took 11 threes in the second half, and two-thirds of their shots were twos. Hey, get one foul shot. That's that's a little that's a little uh a little annoying to say the least. Um the the, the call the offensive foul on Bamas Hill, that's a that's a that's something that I'm glad that basketball is is, is that NC, the NCAA and the NBA are trying to get out of the game to kick the legs out. But honestly, this that wasn't that wasn't nearly as bad as some that I've seen on many occasions, so I, I'm not getting Joe Bamisil getting an offensive foul there. And that sucks because they would have had 90. And this is, again, this is a game where as good as they were offensively and they were over 50% from the field, they could have easily had 100. They were close. They were so close. They had some really good uh, open shots that didn't go in. Fats, Bamisil. There was a couple times where they should have drove, they, where they... Had shots that looked like they were halfway in and didn't go down, that kind of thing. I mean, this offense is starting to ramp up. And golly, I mean, and you see it. I mean, Barristow tonight, gosh, everything, triple nickel, 22, seven boards, five assists, some of those drives of his, you know, and 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 some great kickouts too. He had some great finds there as well. Uh Shulga, six of twelve from the field, five of seven from three. You like seeing Shulga being more selective. That's what you want to see. Shulga was selective. Bamisil was barely selective. He had a couple of quick trigger threes I didn't like. But again, he ends the game 6 of 11 from three, 6 of 11 from the field. And honestly, what got him going was the foul shots. Was making those foul shots. Because, um, I mean, he missed his first couple of shots. And they weren't good shots. And he gets to the foul line and goes bam, bam, bam. He goes seven of eight in what seemed like about a three-minute stretch. And he's cooking the rest of the game. And, he, and here's the thing. Three-level scorer. Ed Nixon talks about it. Bamisil showed you it all today. Drove into the bed, drove into the lane, and makes that doggone layup where he, he put it high off the backboard. Again, a guy with normal normally long arms, that shot's getting blocked. That shot's getting put in it, it, it out of bounds. It's not. There's no way he's getting it onto the backboard and getting it in. But because Bamisil has such long arms, he was able to do it. 
Bama Sills five for five inside the arc, by the way. That's that's how good he was today uh, inside the arc. And you just absolutely love that uh, from Joe Bamisil. So just, a tr- I mean, incredible game. And again, four scores. Baristow 22, Bamisil 21, Shoga 17, Lawal 14. Zeb only had seven points. Did have two assists today, which I was happy with, with that. He had a couple of heat check shots I didn't like. But again, Zeb, Kawani, Christian, Jason, you know, not a lot of points today. And in, in some cases, not a lot of minutes. But your time's going to come. And that's the thing. VCU has options. VCU has so many options in terms of scoring, in terms of defense, that, you know, Ryan Odom, and again, I don't love the fact that Barristow played 33 minutes today and Shulga played 31, but at the same time, Barristow hasn't played, so he needs the minutes. And again, Shulga was pretty darn efficient, you know, 17 points on 12 shots, plus six boards and five assists. Huh, you're going to take that every time. Um, so you're, you're looking at that and going and giving it the old thumbs up. Cause that's pretty good. So that's, that's what you're looking for. So again, all these other guys that have had some big games or had played a lot of minutes, be patient. The time's going to come for you. Don't you worry about it. There are going to, we're going to need you. There are going to be games where we need you for 20 to 25 minutes. And I'm talking about Fats, Bell and Christian. Although you got 22 minutes, Kalani today. It's going, to, it's going to be there for you. Trust me, it's going to be there for you, especially when some of these ridiculous fouls that were called. And, and Daniel Carter, that's the other thing. We are now starting to see a team that's not turning the ball over like they were early in the season and is getting the assists. 20 assists on 35 made baskets, which gets a big thumbs up from me. 12 turnovers. Six in each half. So again, that's the, that's the benchmark. 12 turnovers is a good game, and you do better than that, you're going to be all right. You're going to be all right. And and so it doesn't matter that Gardner-Webb only has nine turnovers. Because again, VCU, when they were forcing them to to run their half court, they struggle. Again, Gardner-Webb was two for 15 to start the second half when VCU really pulled away in this game. And there's a reason for that, because VCU was not letting them get those, those, uh, fast break opportunities. They were not letting them get good shots of the secondary break. They were making them use the shot clock. And they were stopping them because, again, VCU was just bigger than them. And you, you look at it, and that's the thing. Carter Webb ends up with five guys in double figures, but they're all 10 to 13 point range. And they did a job on Samara. Doggo on Samara was their leading scorer. You know, he didn't get a basket until the second half. He ends up with seven points because he gets the foul line. He's two of two of eleven from from the field, you know. And he was averaging fifteen points a game, and they 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 put the they put the stop right on him. So they had a great defensive plan for him today. So it's this is starting to come together beautifully, in my opinion. But now we step up in weight class because Wednesday is the start of conference play, and it's Saint Bonaventure, and I can't say it enough. That is a massive, massive, massive game. St. Bonaventure is without question a a threat to get in the top four and, quite frankly, a conference title threat. Um, You know, they're 66 in the RPI. If this game was at St. Bonaventure, this would be a quad one opportunity. And I think we do have a St. Bonaventure game on the road there this year because I think we usually do. It seems like we always play them twice. 
So, uh, yeah, we do. January 30th at the end of the month. So we start and end the month with St. Bonaventure. That is that is a massive game. They've been a bugaboo team for us. You know, we know that. They've been, they've been just a pain in the neck. And offensively, they look a really, really good team. Mike Adams-Woods, Chad Venning has continued to blossom. You know, these are some big tests. And I'll tell you something else that was great about this game. They had a tough time with badness early. Big old bad mist. You know, 257 pounds. They were talking about that on the on the uh on the on the broadcast, uh, Ed Nixon and Sean Robertson, how, you know, bad miss, bad miss is a load and a half. Well, you know what? I can't think of a better preparation for going up against Chad Venning than having a guy like Bad Miss to play against. Because believe me, the same the same kinds of issues, the same kind of problems that 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 uh that Badmus posed for them today, it, uh, uh, Vetting will pose for him too. The difference is, Vetting is prone to getting in foul trouble, so you want to go at him early, whether it's guards driving into him, whether it's getting the ball to Furman and, and Toby early, whatever it is, let's get Chad Vetting in foul trouble and get him out of the game because that's the best. That's going to be the best way to stop him because he's continuing to develop as an offensive player, and he is a big-time player for them. And I've, I've been talking him up all year. I think he's going to end up an all-conference player. That's going to be one of the real keys that game with St. Bonaventure, but I am so excited because it has been a tough non-conference. And we're going to sit here and feel like we just didn't get enough out of it, which is true. You know, 8-5 and five is probably the absolute lowest of low expectations we had. I certainly thought they were more capable of that, and we're looking at we're looking at what Bearstow and Bamisil are doing. Both of them over twenty points today, and we're saying to ourselves, "Man, if we had them both the whole time, there is no telling what we could have got up to." Especially when you look at the close losses: Iowa State, Boise State, Norfolk State. You know, all these games except McNeese State have been very close, and they've been very winnable. Memphis in overtime. You know that you had those great opportunities and you just missed out on both of them. But the fact of the matter is, they have the opportunity to do some serious work in this conference. And look, I know everybody's saying there's no chance for an auto bed, but if this team gets rolling, they have to wait. The fact that we didn't have Bamasil and Barristow, if all we're doing is winning with them and they're healthy and staying in the lineup. So that's... Keep that in mind, but it starts with St. Bonaventure. You got to win these first two home games coming right out of the shoot. You know, that uh, St. Bonaventure and then George, George Washington, who's who's had a really great start to the season and is playing now as we speak. You got to win these two home games, finish off this long home stand, and then we can finally start talking about road games and road games that might actually be more difficult than what I thought. We'll see. LaSalle lost today. So they might be they might be starting to regress a little bit, but George Mason's still looking pretty tough. So you know that's that's that that I thought that wasn't going to be much of a road game when we went up there because you know how often VCU takes lots of fans up there. Well, <laughs> they're in the top hundred, they're in the top hundred of the net, and depending on how things bounce, that could be a quad one game even by the time we we uh, we go up to Fairfax for that. So big opportunities. Also, let me point this out. A10 Brethren, that's another uh, part of our uh, our group, although we're retiring it for uh, we're retiring it after today until the postseason. 
Um, and we've had some, we had a big result. Davidson won in Ohio. Uh, on uh, or excuse me, not in Ohio. They won in Cleveland, playing Ohio in something called the Legends of Basketball Showcase. That was a really good road win for them. They're playing really well. Dayton turned back the challenge of Longwood, who was one of the favorites in the Big South. That was they were down at halftime and they came back and won. So you know we do the A10 brethren. We do the tales of the non-conference. Which now that we've played everybody. We'll be keeping track of all of them. All of these teams that we've played, all 13 of them, we will be keeping tracking of, uh, track of them in the good, the bad, and the ugly. Plus, of course, VCU by the numbers, which is a Wednesday or a Thursday thing, uh, and and all sorts of things like that there. You know, Net and Ken Palm and where we stand. And, you know, hopefully if we can do well in a conference play, we'll start having caught a quad one win watch. We'll bring that back. We can win some of these games that are potential quad ones, but we'll see about that. So that's what we've got going there. Wednesday, it's the same old story. If I can get off of work on time, uh, you'll actually know it's a nine o'clock start on Wednesday. Well, don't worry about that. Work's not going to be a problem. So it's Wednesday night, 9 p.m. So late start, which actually helps me a little bit. CBS Sports Network, uh, for those of you that have it, of course. Pat that Siegel Center. I hope those of you who are listening or watching this at the Siegel Center are sticking around for the women's game, which I'm going to get on my TV here on ESPN Plus as soon as it starts, which I'm sure it's going to start in like five minutes or whatever. So I'm looking forward to that. If you haven't listened, give the episode where I talked to Beth O'Boyle with a listen about the season up to now uh, because, you know, they're starting conference play today, so it's getting real serious now. And VCU's had a hell of a turnaround in the women's program, but now we got to test it out in what's probably the best A-10 since they've joined the conference. Uh, and it starts with Massachusetts today, which I think is tipping in about five minutes. So I want to thank everybody for the comments in the video. Thank you in the game thread uh, for your comments because I've really enjoyed them as always. Uh, out in podcast land, thank you for listening and thank you all those folks who've donated. We really appreciate it as well. So it's time. It's time for the it's time to meet for when the rubber beats the road. It's A10 play time. So let's get ready for that on Wednesday and let's have a let's be excited for what will hopefully be a big start against the Bonnies Wednesday night. And I'll see you here in the good, the bad, the ugly group Wednesday night in Podcast Land Thursday morning. Have a good night, everybody. Thank you for listening. To submit a question for George to answer in an upcoming episode or to inquire about sponsorship opportunities for this podcast, please email ramsrewind at gmail.com. We'll be back after the next game, and thanks for listening to this episode of Rams Rewind.